Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. This is episode 52 on the Mary Beers podcast with our friend John Bowes. Welcome to Merry Biz. Get inspired to live your best life and learn what it takes to create an epic business from the world's most amazing entrepreneurs. We're your hosts, Emma and Carla Pappas. Let's get our Merry Biz on. On today's episode, we're super duper excited to be chatting to one of our friends that we met at Tropical Think Tank. Now, normally our guests provide us with a little bit of a bio and I I say that and I, I add a little bit here and there, but our guest didn't provide me with a bio, but he did say that he sometimes sleep, sleeps naked, but not always. So we were pretty impressed with that one, <laughs> so I had to mention it in there. But today we do have copywriting expert. And general amazing person, John Bowes on the line. How are you, John? I'm quite wonderful. So thanks How for the you? bio that you gave us. You're welcome. Yeah. You know, I, I thought that was important. Definitely. Definitely important. It's great to get to know our guests a little bit better. And I think like it is really important to sleep naked every now and again <laughs> because, you know, it's just it's good to change things up. And it's good for your health. I think so. I saw a study or something that said that. So, yeah, that's what I'm going with. Okay, good. So, John, the first question we ask all of our guests is what has been on your agenda today? Because we're keen to hear about, you know, your general day-to-day stuff. Oh, well, uh, this morning, actually, I woke up and um, nice and early, did my miracle morning thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> I did that and then uh, came to NeuroGym. So I work here at NeuroGym in beautiful Rancho Santa Fe near San Diego. And uh, then I was just, I've been analyzing data all day from, uh, we just did a, I don't know if you guys know Ryan Levesque. He did the Ask Masterclass and wrote the, the book Ask about creating a survey funnel. So we just did a big survey of our list and basically asked people what their number one challenge around money is. So we got 3,000 responses, wow. and some of them are like, you know, 3,000, 4,000 words long, like people write friggin' essays for us telling us about their life's troubles. So my lovely job with this data is to go through it and separate people into buckets to kind of uh, determine what the main problems that they're dealing with are. So yeah. it's been an interesting day because, you know, I'm reading a lot of stories from people who are going through some really, really challenging, tough mm-hmm. times, you know broken in debt and like you know, smashed into the ground with legal stuff or whatever and just uh and so it's been it's been pretty emotional wow and <laughs> so like what are you going to do with that data afterwards like is that to sort of learn more about the way people think about money and like associate what they associate with money sort of yeah so 
what we do is we create brain retraining products which help people change their associations around a topic. So, oh. for example, with money, with weight loss, with whatever, it actually works at the neurological level to change the neurons that fire when you're presented with a trigger. So, you know, someone might have heard that when they were young that one thing that's coming up often is uh, you shouldn't trust rich people. They're greedy. They're selfish. Wow. And so, so they didn't realize that they had that. And then they're, so they're going along and they say, and they're living their whole life and they're like, why am I not making money? Like, where is, why is this so hard for me to ask for money? And, or why can't I like build wealth? Or why do I self-sabotage? And the reason why is because they have this belief, which they didn't know they had. Mm. So our, our programs go in there and retrain it. So what we're doing now is we're kind of, we're narrowing it down to several sub-segments. We can now give them a precise marketing message that presents mm-hmm. a solution to the exact problem that they're having in the language that they say they're having it in. Yeah, wow. That's super interesting. And I love like how you said it's you got to present it in the language that they speak. And I want to get into that a little bit further down the track. But first of all, I, I want to ask you, John, like, how did you get into copywriting? Like, how, how did you fall into what you're doing like right now? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, and so my story, I, I didn't really fall into it. I kind of jumped off a cliff without a parachute and <laughs> landed in copywriting. Um, I guess that is falling. Right. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, I used to have a business and I sold books, educational books and software for kids door to door. So I was off knocking on doors and I would work 80 hours a week. And I did this every summer all throughout university. And then I built a team. I had a little, my, it was a direct sales organization. So I had a little team working under me and I had nine people on my team and I was training them and running the whole business and like, you know, d- dividing up the sales territory and everything. And then after I graduated, I went and I just had, a, a miserable summer uh, in Bakersfield, California, which is the armpit of America. It's just an awful place. And so I was, I was just, I broke down like really hard. That summer was one of the darkest periods of my entire life. I just, you know, I would, I started out really strong and then um, I was doing really well at first and my team was doing well. And then a couple guys left and quit and then uh, they went home and then I just like stopped working and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't, I don't feel like I'm connected to this. I don't Mm -hmm. enjoy it. It's not scalable. It's a waste of my time to go to all these doors and Mm -hmm. talk to people in person. And so I started learning about like scalable marketing systems, like Mm -hmm. online marketing. So I put together a funnel to try and sell the products online. I made a Mm -hmm. VSL. I recorded it on my iPhone where I demoed the books and then I asked people to buy and I like, integrated with PayPal and then I learned about Facebook ads and I sent Facebook ads of targeting the moms in the area that I was working to this page and it was terrible none of them bought <laughs> none <laughs> of them bought good. at all <laughs> it was it was all going well and I was like you know I was like oh yeah if I get a thousand people to the page you know I'll definitely close at least like my closing rate in person was you know 35 40 percent to mm-hmm. complete strangers so I was like so I was I was like, yeah, I can totally do that online too. So I was like, yeah, I'll get like 300 customers like that overnight. Yeah. And I got zero customers. Wow. So I realized, okay, that selling online is different than selling in person. And yeah, I had yeah. to figure out a way to, a way to learn how to sell online. So after that summer, um, I shut that business down and I bought a one-way ticket to Peru. Mm-hmm. And I went there to go do ayahuasca and to figure out my purpose and to also figure out how to make money online. Wow. So I... 
I had no clue what I was doing, and uh, I was I was sort of in debt, and I had a little bit of money, and then um, I started selling gigs on Fiverr, and I just basically said like, hey, I'll edit your page for five dollars because I was like, yeah. you know, I can't provide. This is what this is my philosophy on that is I. I didn't think I could provide much more than $5 worth of value at first. Wow. I was like, you know, $100, that seems like a lot to me. So I was like, I was like, I'm just going to just do this for $5. And then I would rewrite people's sales pages for $25. Wow. And so, so okay. obviously I attracted <laughs> clients who were paying, who were expecting to get, you know, a million dollars worth of value for $25. Mm. So I did my best. And then, uh, I leveled up and leveled up and joined some forums and just started connecting with people and really just, you know, um, started hand copying sales letters and reading a bunch of books and blogs and just uh, just doing the work to, you know, get myself ahead. And that was fall of 2014. And it's now almost summer of 2016. So it's been less than two years. And now my minimum starting rate for uh, working on any copywriting project is a thousand times what it was when I started, (laughs) which is, which is freaking incredible. Um, so so that's how I, so it's $5,000. Can (laughs) I do math? I was like, I can't do math. (laughs) So obviously you're good at what you do because like, you've just like learned, you're like, you know, you decide you want to do this and you learn all you can, then you implement it, then you see what works and see what doesn't work. So like, Mm -hmm. what would be, like, it's, copywriting is quite hard, especially for people, you know, when you're in your own business, you're like, how the hell do I sell my product that I know is amazing? Like, what would be yeah. your number one tip to people who want to try sell a product and online? Like, yeah, where to start? Where to start? Um, start by building a, a responsive list, an email list. Mm. You know, you can, most people will try and start with a VSL or a sales page What's or a VSL? whatever. A uh, Video sales letter, sorry, uh, yeah. Mm. So most people will try and start by building out some crazy complicated big funnel that takes a lot of time or, mm. you know, paying a lot of money to get a long form sales letter or a video sales letter or just whatever. But really, if you have a responsive email list of even 500 people, mm. you can get instant feedback on if an idea is going to work or if it's not going to work because it yeah. all comes down to the offer. What is the offer that you make? Uh, what do, how much does it cost? What do, you, what do people get in return for that? And you got to kind of find that winning offer first. So, so most people will build out a big, a big, massive project, and sometimes a whole website with a blog and like you know all this social media stuff and a bunch of YouTube videos, going to an offer that's unproven, mm. which is really quite silly if you think about it because the offer is the most important part. Like I always say, there's this there's this big thing going on about like you know finding your your minimum viable audience and getting uh, and being like a content marketer and having having uh, you know, you build the audience first and then ask them what they want. Mm. And I, I think a lot of people misunderstand that. And they think that, no, they're, that their metric that they should be measuring is, you know, social media likes, shares and Mm. page views on their Mm -hmm. website. Mm -hmm. And so they end up with this huge audience and then they don't know how to sell to it Mm. because they never, they didn't build an audience of buyers. They just built an audience of people who are somewhat interested in some topic for some reason. Yeah. So when you start with an email list and you're very clear, you're like, hey, I'm I'm offering services for money. Like I'm not just a charity giving away free information here. This is this is about money. I want to make money off this. And if you don't want to like pay something, then this probably isn't for you. And when you start the relationship off that way, then you'll attract people who are actually ready and willing to invest in themselves 
and their education and whatever it is that you're selling, whether it's a product or a service or a membership site or whatever. Yeah. Wow. And it's, so, all, it's all about balance, yeah. isn't it? Like it, you create epic content to give value for free, but then you also have to be seen to sell to actually sell the product. So they actually know and get used to buying stuff off you. Yeah. And it's, it's very challenging for information marketers too. You know, if you sell a physical product, mm. go ahead and teach all you can. Teach people everything about the market. Teach yeah. them teach them to differentiate so that they can recognize quality. And if you have a quality product, then the natural byproduct of that will be that they choose to purchase from you. Mm. However, if you sell something that's intangible, like information, mm. then you actually do not want to do almost any hard teaching for free. Mm. And the reason for that is, so there's, there's hard teaching and there's soft teaching. And hard teaching is teaching like specific tactics, mm -hmm. tools, things that people can use, saying like, do this, you know, eat this many calories per day, do this workout this day, do this workout this day, uh, make sure you're doing this when you work out, etc. That's the hard teaching. The soft teaching is talking about things like the mindset, the philosophy. It's a little more, it's a little less tangible. So you're not telling, you're telling people what they should do without telling them necessarily how to do it. Mm. And mm. if you go and you create a bunch of quote unquote epic content where you're teaching people how <laughs> to do everything, if you teach them what to do, why to do it, and how to do it for free, yeah. there's no reason they should ever buy from you. Totally. So you can teach people what to do and why they should do it for free, but keep the how-to as your, you got to pay for this. Oh. And then people will see that you're a subject, yeah, cool. they'll see that you're a subject matter expert because you're teaching the what and the why, and that's really what people will first be attracted to. And once they buy into that, then once they're really in line and they understand what it is you want them to do, and why you want them to do that specific thing, they will be much will more willing to pay a premium price to have you show them how to do it because they trust you as a person at the at a deeper level. Mm, makes sense. Okay, cool. So like yeah. when, when putting <laughs> together like a sales page, because I know lots of our listeners are probably like, I, I want to learn how to do this, like better. Like how important is like that first line when you're like, when someone lands on your page and they read that first line, because I know like we get caught on that. Like we're like, oh, what are we going to put in our first line? Like we don't know. Like how do we capture someone's attention? Like how can you like formulate your first headline? Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> I mean, that is for a sales page. That is the, the most important thing. Mm -hmm. um, I, so, so my philosophy on if you're putting together your own product and it's, uh, if you're going to be driving like cold traffic to the sales page, mm. it's very different. So if it's just people who don't know you that you're advertising to on Facebook and they're going directly to a sales page, mm. first, I don't think that's a very good funnel idea because yeah. people won't be, they won't like, they won't trust you already. They won't know you already unless you have a ton of brand recognition. Like if you're Tony Robbins, then yeah. Yeah. you could do that. But you're not Tony Robbins. You're the Merrymaker system. So, <laughs> um, and now so listeners instead, are the listeners. <laughs> And your listeners are the listeners, the merry <laughs> listeners. Yes. So um, with the so with the headline mm -hmm. on page, I what I recommend doing is like you know keeping it keeping it pretty simple, just a, a how to headline, like how to do X in X amount of time without X, and mm. you basically or without Y. I used X for all those things, which is silly. <laughs> but basically, how to get your biggest benefit in a specific amount of time without, like, the biggest objections. 
So if you, like, this is a really classic one that's kind of been overused, so you might want to find a better way to phrase it. Yeah. But, like, you know, how to lose 15 pounds in 30 days without killing yourself at the gym and starving yourself. Yeah. Like that right there. And then then what you do is the, the sale isn't actually made on the sales page. So the way that I think about marketing is the first goal is the first conversion you want to do is you get people onto an opt-in page where they opt in for something. It could be a webinar. It could be a lead magnet. It could mm -hmm. be a tool. If you say like, you know, this is a, a great tool that you guys can use to help mm -hmm. get your desired end goal. And then you actually, you send them emails, mm -hmm. short emails, almost like you're emailing a friend trying to convince them to buy. Just little short emails, just saying, hey, um, Ben Settle is a great guy to study for this. Um, his blog is at bensettle.com. And he sends daily emails every single day. And the reason for that is then you actually, you get, a, you get to try a bunch of different sales hooks. So, you know, maybe one person will be motivated by fear, while another person is motivated by achievement. And another person is motivated by a story that they didn't know was going to motivate them. And you can't put all those things on your sales page. So if you keep your sales page just basically about the facts and the features and you just have, you know, a how-to headline mm -hmm. and then a bunch of bullet points that describe what the information is, just really build a lot of curiosity with that page. Mm -hmm. So just kind of get people going, huh, I wonder what that is. Um, like there's a, there's a very famous headline actually that sold many, 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 many copies of, I think it was Entrepreneur Magazine. So, yeah, so the simplest, the simplest outline for a sales page is really just the main headline, which makes a specific promise, like how to do X in X amount of time without X. And then you just really short introduction that just kind of says, if you're interested in getting this result, then read this, read every word of this letter. Uh -huh. um, and that's in the first part, you're just selling them on reading the letter itself. You're not selling them on taking the action. Oh. And then... And then after that, then you just go into a little description of what it is and then bullet points. And bullet points are basically curiosity-inducing little mini headlines, um, which there are dozens of great guides online. If you just Google, like, how to write great bullets, uh, that should pull it up. There'll be tons of copywriting blogs that talk about it. And you just go through and you write bullets. And so Entrepreneur Magazine had this sales letter, which they mailed for a long time. And it had this one bullet, which, you know, 15 years after they started running this thing, they still were getting people calling in and buying a subscription to the magazine and asking about this one bullet because they wanted to understand what the answer to this one bullet was. Right. And the bullet was fake cocaine, the legal substitute that fools almost everybody. What? And, right? So that's, <laughs> Say it again one more time. Say it again. It's fake cocaine, colon, the legal substitute that fools almost everybody. Strange. So when you, so that exactly right there, your reaction is what you want to go for when you're describing the information inside of whatever product it is that you're selling. You want people to read it. And then in the bullets, when they get to the bullets, you want them to be saying, what, what is that? Like what on earth could that even mean? And then they'll be so curious the number one reason people buy something is not actually self-interest. It's curiosity. Oh, so if you, yeah. And you know, most people will, you just, you just got to like hammer that curiosity and just really get them going like, what on earth are they talking about? And then they'll, they'll gladly spend some money to get the answer to that. Interesting. That is so interesting. It, uh, it's yeah. such, it, it, selling stuff, via copy is so interesting and i want to ask about like 
what if you feel icky the way, you know, like some, when I read some stuff on copywriting, I'm like, that's just not me. Like, what do you suggest then? Like, do you think like staying authentic and true to yourself is more important than the sales copy or is the sales copy more important than staying authentic? Um, authentic is authenticity is the top most important thing. So yeah. okay. there's kind of this, 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 I don't know how to describe it. This graph, if you picture like a graph in your mind where at one end it's really high on branding and really low on conversions. So this is people who are super just, you know, authentic and giving and they're just like putting their best stuff out there and just mm. like, you know, always there. But when it comes to like actually selling, they, they don't know how to sell for shit. Mm, they yeah. don't like, they don't get it. And so they're just like really, really, really high on authenticity and branding and like, yeah. you know, the value given, but they don't know how to ask for anything. And then at the other end, you have the people, you know, with the, the red headlines and the highlighted sales pages <laughs> that are super hypey and pressury. And when you go to click away, then it's uh, an exit pop comes up and says, wait, before yeah. you go, stay yeah. on this page and get this one last blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, you feel like you just got hit in the face with a two by four, you know? Yeah. Not, not the, the brand experience you want to be given people. So what you really want to aim for is I'm a little more conversion focused. So I focus more on the, the, the side of that that's closer to the big red headlines. Yeah. Um, because it's more measurable that way and you, you get you get to know what works like right away versus the other side where you have to wait years until you've really built this solid relationship with someone. So I would say authenticity is is really important in that though, because otherwise they'll just burn your list and you'll just yeah. you'll burn out your welcome with people because yeah. they'll feel like this person's just using every trick in the book, they're just trying to sell me really hard and they'll walk away with that, as you said, icky feeling. Mm. Yeah. So, oh, so the real the real trick is like if you get on Ben Settle's list, he is incredibly authentic. Another guy that's really authentic is Ramit Sethi. Mm-hmm. If you get on his list, okay. and these guys are super authentic, they know who they are, they know what they're about, and they know how to sell too. So they didn't sacrifice, they didn't give up who they are to get the sales. And you know, tactics, things like you know, adding urgency and scarcity, and choosing to uh, you know send multiple emails with closing things and really hitting on the emotions. Those are things that you can learn to do authentically. Yeah. But I would definitely say just don't let that be a barrier in your mind that you say like, I can either be authentic or I can sell. Because yeah. if you create that choice in your mind, then you're going to sabotage your own sales because you're just going to be focused on being authentic. Uh, so true. Such good yeah, advice. Such, such good, good, good I can't talk good advice. I want to have one, I, ask, I have one last question. If I can talk okay. right. I, would, I know. Get it I, I want to know about um, your experience with ayahuasca. Is that how okay. you say it? Yes, that is how you say it, yeah. <laughs> yes, well, I can say that word, good. <laughs> so that was, this comes up in almost every interview I do and when I mention it. it was, uh, <laughs> when you said it, I looked at him and I was like, why? <laughs> so, so ayahuasca is a brew. It's a, it's a mixture of a plant and a root, and it basically helps DMT, which is dimethyltryptamine, which is uh, basically the most powerful hallucinogenic in the world to enter your bloodstream so that it can go directly into your brain. And it, it does that by suppressing the uh, enzyme in your stomach that would normally break it down. So it allows you to digest it and absorb it through your gut. And then basically after you drink it, you uh, have a spiritual experience or hallucinations or however you want to describe it. I choose to refer to it as a spiritual experience because it was really, it was a spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. And 
for about uh, like eight to 12 hours. So when I went to Peru, I went to Iquitos and uh, I got there. I was, I had a backpack and um, my travel pants on and didn't have a clue where I was going to be staying or what I was going to be doing. And uh, I knew I had to go and make money too while I was there. So, so I found this uh, shaman when I was in Iquitos and I, uh, I went to, I went to this shaman and I said, Hey, I want to do ayahuasca. And he didn't speak English and I didn't speak Spanish. And, but we just kind of connected anyways and like, you know, managed to communicate. And so I went with this guy that's 70 kilometers into the jungle Whoa. to his ranch where he, his property, I call it a ranch, but it was his property where he lived. And, uh, and he took me to my place where I was staying, which was like a little shack where I would be alone in the jungle, um, sleeping on like a, ha- a mattress pad that was about an inch thick um, with a mosquito net oh, <laughs> and like no blanket. It was, it was just the craziest experience. And then, uh, and then every night, well, or not every night while I was there, but three out of the five nights I was there, we drank ayahuasca. And it was a really intense experience. So one of the, the main things of ayahuasca is the purge. So the purge is basically where your body gets rid of, you know, they would, the shamans would call it uh, negative spirits or whatever that's in you. Um, I prefer to think of it as like, you know, all the bacteria and different things that are going on as well as different emotional emotional storages that I have inside my body that I never dealt with. So basically you puke and you poop for like the first few hours just, and you feel awful and that's the purge. And uh, so I did that and and then after that, that really, really insane visions and crazy uh, thoughts, just like just a lot of a lot of like release stress and tension and trauma that I just hadn't like dealt with just came up and just like came into my brain and I was like overwhelmed by it. And then the next day I felt slightly better and then we did it again and then next day I felt slightly better and then we did it again. And then uh, by the last day I was there, it was it was like all the junk that was in my head that's kind of just keeping me a little foggy most of the time was gone. And it was just, I was really peaceful. I was very focused. I was like very calm and clear. And I, I remember going back to the city, Iquitos, and I was just looking at people totally differently, like just connecting with them on a deeper level, just through eye contact and just kind of just much more present and, um, yeah, so so ayahuasca is a very, very, very interesting plant medicine. Wow. Um, yeah, and there's some there's some amazing stories too. If you look online, there's people who are like you know alcoholics for many years and were cured with like one ayahuasca session and haven't drank again wow. ever since they did it for like you know fifteen years. That's crazy. What does it taste like? Um, kind of like like woody mud. Like it's, yeah, it's a really, it's a thick kind of dark colored. Oh God. It just has this, it has a really nasty taste. And especially cause you taste it again multiple times after you've drank it, oh. you know, it's that taste just stays in your mouth for the whole night. Cause you like throw up and it's yeah. there. Oh gosh. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's very, very interesting. interesting. It's yeah. It's an experience. Um, 
it's not a fun party drug. Like, you know, a lot of people, they think like, oh, drugs, that's just fun party stuff. But no, it's not. It's, it's an intense spiritual and emotional and physical experience that you go through. Wow. Oh my gosh. Thanks for sharing your story with us. It's so super interesting. Um, and we are like almost out of time and it went so fast. I want to quickly ask you, John, if there's anything about copywriting or anything that you wanted to add. Um, and then I want you to share where people can find more info about you if they can, or if you're like only referral based. <laughs> um, yeah, actually right now I'm not looking for new, new clients at all. So <laughs> no one like, contact me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so don't contact me. No. Um, you can find me at johnbows.com, J-O-N-B-O-W-E-S.com. And I think there's still a coming soon page on there because I didn't like my brand, so I'm changing that. Um, the Yeah, the, the last thing I would like to share about copywriting is tell stories. Mm. Um, people are motivated more. People have a large amount of sales resistance to things that look like marketing. Mm. But everyone loves a good story. So if you tell stories and... The most powerful thing is telling the, the hero's journey story of how you or your clients or someone else used to struggle with the problem and then they discover this solution which you're selling and then what their life is like after. Yeah. And when you tell that transformational story with yourself, with other people, multiple times, then people will naturally come to the conclusion that they should buy your product just because of the fact that they read a good story and they subconsciously accepted it and they think they came up with the idea instead of it was shoved down their throats. Wow, such, such good, good advice. advice. I love that. Love the hero's journey and Joseph Campbell. Um, so you've given us your e um, website where no one can really find any information about you anyway. <laughs> John, yes. what is the one mantra you're living by right at this moment? We'd love to know. The one mantra I'm living by at this moment, um, well, I have, I have my contract with the universe, which is I am an authentic, trusting, open man. Oh, wow. And that's, that's pretty much it. Cool. I repeat that. Uh, yeah. I love it. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, John, for coming on the show. It was so much fun chatting to you and hearing your stories and getting so much good advice on copywriting. I know all of our listeners are going to love this episode. So thank you. Wonderful. Thank you for having me, Mayor Makers. Thank you very much to John for coming on the show. It was very fun and very interesting and full of great advice. If you guys loved the show and you had a lot of fun with us, because yes, it was a lot of fun, give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you might be listening. And if there is someone you would like us to interview, please let us know because we would love to know and then we would love to email them and get them on the show. Yay! the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.